This is First Date Stories, the podcast, the show where women in their late 30s, 40s, 50s, and beyond talk all about the first dates they've been on. From the wildly successful to the completely disastrous and everything in between. Here's your host, Jody Klein, founder of FirstDateStories.com. Welcome. Monica was understandably devastated when after 21 years of marriage, her physician husband left her for his nurse. She was thrust into a bitter divorce battle and her world was turned upside down. When all this happened, Monica was plagued by all the emotions and self-doubt that you'd expect a woman to experience after the vision she had for her life just suddenly evaporated. It was a close friend of hers who eventually insisted she get off the couch and back out into the world. He was the one who set her up on her first first date in over two decades. Here's Monica's first date story. Hi, Monica. Thank you so much for coming on the show to talk about a memorable first date you've been on. Well, I'm glad to be here, Jody. Let's start out with you sharing a little bit about yourself before we delve into your story. Um, sure. I'm in the 40-something category. I was married for 21 years and am divorced. My surgeon husband left me for his nurse, so I got to become a divorce statistic and a cliche all at one time. Wow. <laughs> I have two kids. I have a 16-year-old son and a 13-year-old daughter. I was a loan officer uh, while my husband was completing his residency. And then when he went into private practice, I took over the household. I was a stay-at-home mom and ran everything at our house. And personally, I guess I would describe myself as kind of an athlete, competitive type. So I play on three soccer teams and ride a snowboard, scuba dive, do the marine boot camps because I'm a glutton for punishment, I guess, and a cyclist. And uh, then my latest sport is adventure racing. Adventure racing. I do the shorter races and they are trail running, kayaking, single track mountain bike racing. And in amongst all of this, you have had time for dating. Yes, I finally realized that it was time to carve out a space for myself. So let's talk a little bit about how you transitioned into dating, because you spoke about the end of your marriage. Uh, how was it that you got yourself to get going in the dating world again? I can attribute that to two of my very best friends, Jeff and Kelly. They've always had my best interest at heart, and they've been instrumental in kind of hey, it's time to suck it up and get on with your life kind of an attitude. I had a lot going on at the time. I was like 10 months into my divorce process and my ex and his divorce attorney were basically just thinking of ways to make my life unbearable. And um, I was going to counseling. I was to dust off my transcripts because I was in a position now where I had been at stay-at-home mom for several years and I was getting to go back to work. So I had, um, I had a lot on my plate. and. Jeff and Kelly, they stayed on me. They would call, what are you doing? What's going on in your life? And they finally called, enough is enough, and you need to get back out and have some fun. Thank goodness for them. And they said hard truths to me. You know, I remember Jeff calling me one day, and I was sobbing on the couch because 
they'd done something mean to me again. And, and he said, I don't want to be mean to you. Get off of that couch right now and do something. Enough is enough. What were the first steps you took to get back into the social scene and the dating scene? Jeff pretty much orchestrated the first foray into this. He and I, we spoke on the phone pretty much every day. And we were on the phone one evening and he suggested that I go out with this really cool guy that he knew. He won't be your future. He will just be a tiny step toward healing. And by Jeff phrasing it that way, it made it more palatable. You know, it wasn't, ooh, I found this perfect man for you and you're going to ride off in the sunset. I didn't want at that point to ride off in the sunset with anyone. And had he presented it that way, I think I would have said, absolutely not, no way. But instead of that, it was, just get out of your house. Just go meet somebody. He's a nice guy. I was tired of sitting around at my house and staring at what I considered the remnants of my earlier life. And so it sounded like what could be bad about it. And so I agreed. Is this the date we're going to talk about today? Yes. And what is the guy's name that Jeff introduced you to? Um, His name is Scott. How did you and Scott end up meeting? Was Jeff a part of it or was it just the two of you out together? Jeff set it up. He spoke to Scott, spoke to me, and I guess Scott was the one who came up with where and when. And then Jeff just called me and said, hey, you know, Scott wants to meet in the bar area of the restaurant five blocks from your house. And it's a nice restaurant. It's a very vibrant area, lots of people. It was close to my house. So I felt very comfortable, you know, of getting myself there and back without anything scary or weird going on. So it it was a very easy date. You were going somewhere familiar to you. You were going out with somebody who knew someone you knew well. It wasn't so scary. Exactly. Do you remember how you felt getting ready for the date? The first date you'd had in, I guess, over 20 years. (laughs) Yes. Because it was framed in my mind as you're not out looking for your next husband. You know, it, it took a lot of the heat off of it and a lot of the stress off of it. It was just supposed to be a fun evening out, meeting someone new and being brave and stepping out of my comfort zone, which is something that I, I've always tried to do. And so that aspect of it wasn't new. The other thing that meant a lot to me is I've, I've always felt very strongly that we teach our children through our actions and not through what we say. And so I felt like that I was teaching primarily my daughter, um, life can throw horrible things at you. You dust yourself off and you move forward. And I felt like she was seeing me do that. And that was something important to me. How did you get to the date? I drove over and I was actually a little bit early, which is not something I can usually claim. Parked in the parking lot, sat in the car for just a few minutes and reminded myself that there were no expectations set for the evening. So I kind of had that kind of pep talky thing with myself. I had on a brand new outfit. I had lost a bunch of weight that I necessarily didn't really need to lose, but it just kind of came along with the, with the journey. Bought myself a cute little outfit at Anthropology and got out of the car, straightened up my outfit and 
strolled into the restaurant and was already proud of myself for showing up. Way to go. That is such a healthy way to approach something that could be so scary. Thank you. If you knew me a little bit better, you'd also know that I also like to kind of collect funny stories. <laughs> so at the back of my mind, there's always that this could just end up being a really funny deal. So let's just see what happens, kind of an attitude. There was a very tall, attractive man sitting at the bar, and that was Scott. You, did um, you recognize him right away? Had you seen his picture? I had not seen a picture. There weren't a lot of men that kind of fit the description that Jeff had given me. So it was pretty easy. And he was obviously kind of watching, you know, for somebody to come in the door. So, you know, we introduced ourselves and he greeted me very nicely. And we sat down at the bar and ordered some drinks. And, you know, the conversation just kind of started with, well, how do you know Jeff? Well, how do you know Jeff? You know, it was that kind of gave a nice introductory with starting point. What sort of vibe did you get from him? I got a vibe that he was very self-confident. He was obviously had been single for a while. You, you can just kind of get that feel that he was very sure in his role, if that makes sense. He knew the dating scene. He knew how to be on a date, essentially. Right, exactly. I probably didn't come off that way. <laughs> <laughs> reason okay that's right <laughs> so there you guys were you're sitting at the bar did he order you a drink he ordered drinks for both of us and for me it just felt like I was seated next to someone that I didn't know at a dinner party and the conversation was it was fairly comfortable very harmless topics what happened next as the evening progressed <laughs> She laughs. Um, <laughs> she does laugh. Uh, for me, the evening kind of took a downturn when I began to notice that Scott was several drinks ahead of me, but he didn't appear to be getting drunk. So when I see that happen, I don't ever think, oh, wow, the man can hold his liquor. I think, oh, wow, this man must really drink a lot. <laughs> <laughs> because I... I all of a sudden I thought, wait a minute, I'm still on my first drink, and I think that's like his third or fourth. So really, I, wow, that, he was that far ahead of you. Oh yeah, and I mean, I think it was like cranberry and vodka or something. You know, something that you can drink fairly quickly if if this is what you do all the time. And so I, that was kind of my first red flag. He's not slurring, and he kind of seems like he should be. <laughs> The second major red flag for me was he started being rude to the wait staff, you know, leaning over the bar and like snapping his fingers at the bartender and hey, hey, that kind of stuff, which is always a flashpoint for me. So I'm sitting next to him and I'm feeling really awkward and pretty embarrassed. And I am mouthing, I'm sorry to the bartender behind Scott's back whenever I feel like he's looking away. And when the bartender is just doing things like maybe handing me another napkin or something like that, I'm being overly gracious. Thank you so much for this napkin. But I, I'm trying to compensate for what's happening next to me. 
Was um, the bartender going back, giving you nods or yes. eye contact and the whole thing, like the two yes. of you were connecting and that, okay. Yes. He was saying, it's okay, you know, it's him. While Scott was treating the wait staff so poorly, how was he treating you? He was not being rude to me. He was not being terribly attentive. He maybe was exuding kind of a self-absorption. Again, I got the feeling that this is something very common to him. You know, he didn't look like, oh my gosh, I'm drinking too much because I'm nervous or I'm drinking a lot because this woman is such a bore. You know, I, I just kind of got the feeling of this was a typical evening for him and I just happened to be the sidekick. Interesting. Okay. That he was out on this date with you because he wanted to be drinking and you were someone to be out drinking with rather than he was out to be meeting you to potentially have a longer term connection, you know, relationship, whatever that meant with you. Yes. It felt like he would be doing this same thing the next night with someone else. All right. Which at this juncture was fine by me, by the way. Because <laughs> <laughs> you, you were not loving the way he was treating people and you were not loving what you were seeing either. No, no, no. Where did the evening go from there? The evening probably took a nosedive for both of us when he got around to asking me how long I'd been divorced. My answer was, I'm still in the process he looked at me and said, oh, wow, you're radioactive. What did you think when he said that to you? I'm sure my mouth just dropped. And inside my head, I, and I promise you, inside my head, I thought, what an ass. I am so glad I'm not responsible for him in any way. <laughs> so true. So right. And what did you say to him? Did you say anything when he said that really obnoxious statement to you? I repeated it back because I was just so stunned. I said, radioactive. And he just looked at me and he made some inane comment like, well, yeah, I mean, you know, if you're not even done or whatever. And, you know, at that juncture, I thought, I'm pretty sure that Jeff would have shared that with him. I don't think Jeff would have said, hey, do you want to go out with my friend? She's been divorced 20 years. And so that also kind of reinforced my feeling of I'm just the seat warmer next to him for this evening. Did you stay much longer? I had finished my drink at that time. And so it was a good time. You know, he is a friend of my friend, you know, so I don't want to throw my drink in his face and make a big, huge scene. And I was being brave, but I wasn't that brave, you know, at that point in my life. Um, I had pretty crummy self-esteem going anyway, but I didn't take it personally. You know, had he looked at me and, you know, made a very personal comment at me, I would have probably burst into tears. But his radioactive comment, it exposed more about him than it did me. So it was a nice, easy point to kind of say, well, this has been fun. He didn't have a problem with it either. You know, it wasn't like he was falling in love. So he paid the check. 
I'm sure he didn't want to offend Jeff either. And that was that part of the evening. We did walk together out the front door. He handed over his valet ticket. I did not. So it was very obvious that my car was not going to be brought to me. And they whipped up in his little two-seater sports car and he just kind of climbed in and drove away. And I, I remember standing there thinking, wow, okay, if now I'm walking through a dark parking lot all by myself. It never even crossed his mind that maybe I should, you know, have somebody make sure I got to my car safely. So on top of the rest of his behavior, that was kind of the icing on the cake, I guess. He was no gentleman, and he had had a heck of a lot to drink as well. So he yes. should have been popping into any car. And no, 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 no. Point. Exactly. So you learned a ton about this guy in a very short period of time, but you also learned about yourself, didn't you? Right. What did you learn about yourself? I was proud of myself because I was in a very, very crappy personal space of very negative vibes and very hurtful things were happening to me. And I learned that my friends can see the value in me, even if I couldn't always see it. And I listened to them. And that was a good thing. I let them be kind of my my self-esteem for me. I also stepped out of my comfort zone, which I think is always important for everyone. That's how you grow. I also learned that I have a say-so about who I spend time with and that I don't have to settle, that I it's okay to walk away. It's okay to go out and meet somebody and have it not go anywhere. <laughs> like I said earlier, disaster dates can end up being a very good lesson and they can also end up a better story. <laughs> <laughs> I, it also reinforced, I had made a decision. If I'm going to start dating, I'm not going to have these dates come to my home or be near my children. I had some single friends that I had watched and it was just a parade of different men coming through their children's lives. For me, I didn't feel like that was appropriate. I wanted them to know that I was taking this step. I wasn't hiding the fact that I was going out, but I wasn't going to have these people come to my home and be in my children's lives unless I felt I had met someone very special and that I was going to be spending a lot of time with that person. And then maybe I would make that step. And that was a personal choice for me. And I felt like this date reinforced that decision. This first first date after over two decades of not being in the dating scene really helped get you back on the path to self-renewal. Yes. And, you know, I had gotten married at 21. And so I had gone straight from my dad's house to college to my husband's house. And I had never had that experience of having, you know, my own place and taking care of myself and being on my own. And this was 
a step into that experience that I really feel is a valuable experience. It's a, it's good experience for everyone. I think it's invaluable for women. And I was just coming into it, you know, 22 years late. What a great life lesson you've come to learn. All of these were great life lessons <laughs> that you came to learn you, out Scott. of a very, right, <laughs> after a, out of a dark place with the end of your marriage and an unfortunate first date um, that then propelled you down a, a really healthy path. There are women listening to, to this episode who are divorced and who probably relate to a lot of what you experienced. What words of advice do you have for them? To not use all of the hurt and negativity that maybe was hurled at you in some past experience as an excuse to not get out there. There's a lot of experiences that can build you as a person, and if you can get off that track of meeting your husband or meeting your next husband. You know, if, if you can stop that tape and look at it as just a growth experience for yourself, then you'll be surprised at um, how comfortable it can be and how refreshing it can be. And I encourage people to, to do that, to take that step. I've also watched a few of my single girlfriends um, waiting for their married friends to set them up. And I did in this instance, it was my married friends who got me that first date. But I encourage women to not bank on that. There's a lot of times that you know, your friends that are married or in relationships, they're not thinking about the dating scene anymore. And a lot of times they don't want to be involved because if it blows up, they don't want to feel responsible for it. And so I just encourage women to kind of own it a little bit. You're an intelligent woman. You know what you like. Trust that. It's great if other people can help us, but we need to take the initiative. Yes. Thank you for coming on this show and sharing this incredibly memorable and meaningful story about your first date with Scott. Jody, thank you so much for having me. I enjoyed sharing this story and it would be fabulous if it helps another woman get back in the game. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you have your own take on this story, head on over to firstdatestories.com and leave a comment. While you're there, check out the articles about celebrating singledom and dating in midlife. First Date Stories provides inspiration, camaraderie, and support for single, divorced, and widowed women in their late 30s, 40s, 50s, and beyond. While you're on the website, you can also tell us about a memorable first date that you've been on by popping on over to the share section of our site. We are always up for a good story, and we may invite you to be a guest on a future show. We also have a bi-weekly newsletter. If you haven't subscribed to this podcast, you'll find us at iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest. And now for a quick run through of the legalese. This podcast is for general information and entertainment purposes only 
and is not intended as professional advice for our listeners. We suggest that you always consult with your own personal coaches and advisors. First Aid Stories does not recommend or endorse or object to the views or topics expressed on this podcast. Also, the names of the guests are changed for privacy purposes. This podcast is produced and edited by Kim Poletti and Lisa Gray of Sound Mind Productions and is brought to you by Espoir Ventures. First Aid Stories is here to help you be your best you, to cheer you on, and to keep you going on first dates because beyond your next first date may be the long-term love you're seeking.